All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Welcome back to the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host for today, the first and probably only time, Andrew Scambatti, a live cat man on the board. I'm joined by the illustrious Julian Gill, who without him, none of this would be possible. Episode 320, we're going to talk about some topics from the board, some new releases. We just passed one of the three record store days here in 2020. And we had a special interview with Eric Turner, who worked on the Kistory 2 book. Eric shares some stories about his time with Warrant, his time opening up for the 1989 Paul Stanley solo tour, and then again working on Kistory. So, packed, packed, packed show today. And uh, I'm so glad to be here. And so glad that Julian lent me the keys to to drive this this uh, this crazy truck. That's the Kiss FAQ podcast. So uh, so here we are. Yeah, I'm too tired to drive today. It's been one of those <laughs> weeks. I think I'm on 60 hours already. So sometimes you have to have a designated driver. And what I love about our crew is that any one of you can host. Any one of you can do this because. You don't have to be special to do a podcast. You just have to. I be thought able you to did s- have to be. Well, no, special. you have to be able. I think you have to be able to string a sentence together. But okay. listening back to some of the episodes, I know I say um a lot. Um, Sometimes I mean I um. think we're all we're all neg we are all, we're all negative we're all um, guilty of that I think. Even some of the best even some of the best podcasts that you pay for they're guilty of that sometimes too. It is, and a lot of it comes down to editing, and I simply refuse to edit. I've been working on a project that I'm editing audio, and I'm going back through it, and every time I listen to it again, and it's a 50-minute show now, um, there, there's my, um, I hear another breath, and I wrote the stuff, and it's to hear that, and I'm having to take it out because I really want it to be perfect this time. So when it comes time to do a FAQ podcast or a look at rock and roll podcast, I just want to hit record, hit stop, put on the front and the and the back and put it up for everyone to listen. I don't want it to be a job. I don't want it to be unfun strictly for me. Hopefully it's not unfun to our viewers or listeners. Well, you know what is fun? Kiss Vinyl has always been fun for me. It was actually my introduction to podcasting. And with Record Story that just came by, I was able to get Origins, Volume 1, the picture disc, the double picture disc version. This is just a soup. This is a beautiful package. Uh, Julian, you, you, were, you wrote some liner notes on this, or actually all of the liner notes, rather. This was very, very cool. And just such a cool, such a cool package. E1 has been hitting it out of the park with all of their releases. And uh, there's no signs of stopping because... Ace's new record, Origins Volume 2, is coming out September 18th. So make sure you, uh, you head on over to one of the several retailers that have different versions and variations of that and get your Origins Volume 2. Yeah, and talking of Origins Volume 2, what came out today? It dropped last night for friends and family in Australia. It <laughs> is the next single off the album. Uh, it's the a YouTube single. video for I'm Down, a cover of The Beatles. I can't remember. I should know it off the top of my head, but it was originally a B-side. It's previously been covered by Aerosmith, but I think Ace dialed in an absolutely storming version. Uh, John yeah. Five, guests on guitar on there, I believe. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I actually really even enjoyed the little promotional piece of artwork that's been attached to the single when you view it on YouTube. I like how they did the ace in the Beatle font. I thought that was really cool, really interesting to look at. Uh, but this is cool. Uh, the, the record is sounding fatter and fatter. Every song that I hear, I'm just really noticing the production value on this. Not to say that the previous releases by Ace lacked production, but I think there's a huge increase in production value between the Anomaly release and what he's doing now. And that just maybe because he's been... He's been back at the game, back behind the mixing console longer than he had been before. So uh, I like this one. It's obviously not one of my favorite Beatles songs, but um, I'm anxious to hear the rest of the record. Yeah, I love the song. Always did. I loved Aerosmith's version. I was really interested to hear what Ace was going to do with the song, and I really thought that he did it justice, and he kept it aceified in the right ways and i love what you said about the production as well because that is something that i think the album really does shine sonically the last couple the last couple and i said this when spaceman came out i wasn't a big ace solo fan i'm just not a big solo fan of any of the kiss members i like them in kiss and, and together but i loved spaceman i thought it sounded great and um some of the songs that were covers on Spaceman, like I Want to Go Back, I didn't know that was an Eddie Money song. I'm not an Eddie Money fan, but it was cool. It sounded cool. Uh, and, and I'm just, I'm really glad that we're able to sit here in 2020 and we're listening to new Ace records. It's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, we're talking about new music from a member of KISS, which is really cool. I got one thing in the mail this week. I had some uh, gift certificates left on Amazon UK because obviously my family's all there. Um, and you I ordered... I ordered a copy of, uh, you just about see it, there you go, Origins Volume 1. I'm in search of a regular jewel case edition of these I Hate Digipacks. I know nice. I've been told that they're more difficult to actually make, but I hate them with a passion. So I was like, oh, I'll get it from, you know, get the, Steve, the Steam Hammer or Steel Hammer, whatever it is, the European distributor. Um, and it's not. It's it's another one. But it's got the original hype sticker that's got fire and ice. So if anyone's wants to trade for a Euro version of Origins Volume 1, drop me a line. You know where to find me. Come over to the FAQ. Get your feet green in the cess mire. In the cool. cess. In the cess. Oh, my God. If you ever made a shirt that says the cess prior, I would wear it. That'd be a great shirt. That'd be a great shirt. Um. This is something else that's also not new, but I just happened to—I had to go to Walmart on Record Store Day, and I finally found one of these—the uh, the orange, the orange translucent vinyl of Destroyer Resurrected. Uh, I just like this. I correct me if I'm wrong, everybody out there. Um, You're wrong. My original version of Detro of Destroyer Resurrected on vinyl—it's obviously black vinyl—but is it such a—is it like a matte finish? Is the cover a matte finish like this? I don't know. I just—I just noticed that as I. I, I think it looks really stunning in this little in this matte finish that that I have here. Um, I don't know. I got to do a uh, a side by side. I haven't pulled it out of uh, my my record collection yet. But yeah, I mine's do not been it. out of the shrink, so I have no idea. I um, open everything. I really do. It's my collection to enjoy. I really do. Um, <laughs> Never time I say um, I'm gonna laugh. Well, with Record Store that just passed, the Aceified Record Store Day release was Trouble Walkin', first time on vinyl since 1989, double vinyl in 45 speed. So what does that mean? Because I just certainly didn't know what it meant on there. When you put it on your turntable, make sure you turn your speed to 45, because there was a lot of there's a lot of fatness on this record. And look at how cool the actual the actual vinyl looks. It looks like a melted creamsicle so uh, i thought it was super cool 
It's like a fried egg. Yeah. Space but, eggs. But, yeah, space eggs. At this juncture, I was talking about space eggs, but it, it's got some pictures of the album session uh, on there. And then it's got this, Ace Freely Trouble Walking, which reminded me of, and I grabbed it before we started recording today, it reminded me of the old, the the 12 by 12 promo flat from Trouble Walking. It just says, it has the album cover on one side and just says Ace Freely on the uh, on the other side. I actually had a stack of these. And every time somebody either buys something from me or I send somebody something, I send it to them. And one day you'll be rid of them all. I had that with the the Paul Stanley Phantom um, of the Opera postcards. I had like so many of those. I had so many of the uh, Kiss Alive Four, the uh, Kiss Arm, the Kiss Militia. Excuse me, it wasn't Kiss Army in two thousand four. It was the Kiss Alive Four Militia, where they sent you a bunch of stickers to promote Kiss Alive Four. It was basically the record company was like, here, you want to promote it? Yeah, you do it. And it was just all everybody else doing the record company promotion that they would normally do. But um, I used to have a bunch of those. I finally got rid of those. And then I had a bunch of Gene Simmons Tongue Magazine stickers in oh, nice. the early 2000s. Those are all gone. They've yeah. been gone for a long time. And most of my stuff's gone. I think like most people who've been on the Kiss Cruise, I have a bucket full of napkins. Unused. Yeah. Mint. In air yeah. sea- airtight bags. So... All right, what else? What else? Well, I did Record Store well, Day, and unfortunately, I haven't been able to find Ace in a store. I did get Ace because, obviously, I did the uh, Trouble Walking unboxing, but today I finally got the Def Leppard one, which my background just sucks ass. Why does that do that? Is it like... Oh, I don't know. I've got my other backdrop behind me, so let me just turn this off because... It would actually, it would actually be really funny if. I, I don't even know if you could do this, but it would be funny if you just had a digital version of the same background behind you, and you just kept switching in between. I would find humor in that. I would. Yeah. What else? Uh, um, but I, I did want to shoot a quick thank you out to everyone. That includes you, Julian, and everybody watching my fan film one last time live from New York City. This past week hit three hundred thousand views. That's sick. Maddening. It's it's maddening because when I first put it out, I was like, I hope I hit 100,000. And that seemed like it was so unattainable at the time because, you know, there's a ton of Kiss content on there. And I wasn't expecting people were going to sit down and watch an hour and 20 minute fan film. But you guys are so great and so crazy you did. So I'm super, super, super appreciative and super thankful that everybody sat down, took time out of their day and did it. And, um, you know, in three months, three Hundred thousand views, can't believe it. So the next milestone I want to look forward to is half a million. Which, uh, if this if if this is any con- uh, consultation about how it's going to go, I think in about two months I'll be there, and uh, that'll be something cool to celebrate. Half a million views. So um, if you watched it, if you shared it, if you talked about it, thank you so much, everybody that that had everyone had a hand in this. I know I was the the jag off that made it. But um, it was you guys out there that made it popular. So I'm really, I'm super, super, super grateful for that. And uh, there might be another one in the making. We'll see. Hot. You know, <laughs> I know how much you suffered for that. So, you know, even in the few days since it hit 300, now it's on 313. So there you go. Can't live, believe it. Live score right there. So, can't, you know, can't believe it. to anyone who wonders, you know, why do we get excited about things like this? Because when you pour your heart and soul into a project, when you suffer, and I watched at least eight edits of this during the process of you making it, and I 
dread to think how many different you know this goes this goes here this you know until you got it exactly how you wanted that you went through that no wonder you get excited especially when you set goals in your head about how you you need it to be validated on a personal level so you know every time andrew shared this on facebook or on twitter or on the faq it's not bragging it's excitement as a fan yeah. that it's something that he's made is being appreciated by his fellow fans, which is really cool. And, you know, yeah. anyone who does something like that, whether it's book projects, whether it's things that are tenuously official, it's mostly excitement. All excitement. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned about how many times I had to watch it. I don't know. I think probably seven out of the eight edits that you watched. I just had a very concert-like opening credit sequence where you just had you're watching concert footage and like the credits appeared in the lower can corners where oh gene simmons paul stanley produced by directed all that stuff and one of the very last things i did is someone was like it looks kind of weird when the names are on the screen it doesn't match the member of the band on the screen so i was like ah can i really do that and i was like ah. so at the very last minute and i and release the release date was probably less than 24 hours away I started animating those sequences where you see Kiss walking through the fire and the explosions happening and the title screens looking like pages from a tour book. That was the very last thing that I added because that wasn't there. It just someone had watched it and goes, hey, you know what would be cool? And then I did it. Then it happened. So, uh, so yeah, again, thank you so much for, for doing that and, and thank you for giving me a platform to, to do and talk about it. And, uh, and yeah, there'll be another one. And maybe this, and maybe the next one will be the last one. I'm not really sure. I really only want to do things that Kiss hasn't done. And what I mean by that is some fans are like, oh, you got to do one on Revenge. Why? I was like, well, why? I, I think Kiss, Expo, Kiss Confidential and Kiss Extreme Close-Up does a great job of doing Revenge. Then you have the Symphony for the World Domination Tour. You have the Rock the Nation Live DVD at Vegas. You have the Last Kiss from the Farewell Tour. You have, you have all these periods that are represented by official KISS releases, you know, the second coming and things like that. I'm just trying to fill in the gaps and trying to do stuff that I, we as fans wish they had done. So um, so I'm running out of things to do is what I'm I saying. Dis I disagree because I think while the band has done a lot of stuff that was very good at the time, say second coming and some of the features that have been include for, uh, included from the, uh, pardon me, the uh, reunion era, on the Kissology box set, I don't think there's a really good documentary from a third eye perspective, you know, about about the reunion era, you know, given the full treatment of exactly how it could be rather than the party line that an official product is always going to be to going to the fans who made the trip to tiger stadium to going to the fans who were there under the bridge or on the aircraft carrier i i just think there's still a lot of scope to improve on some of the things that the band has done that you can only do as an unofficial fan rather than as official product to be released because i think you maybe, maybe who knows? i mean the reunion is my favorite time period because that was when i became a, a fanatical fan i was 10 years 10 11 years old at the time and i just remember walking into like every mom and pop store every little bodega every deli and there were kiss magazines on the stand every time i was there and the one i remember the most was the entertainment weekly magazine with them on the cover which which i still have in my collection so that's my favorite time. Every time I watch any clips from the reunion tour, I'm 11 years old again. 
I remember one of my fondest memories is watching uh, the MTV Video Music Awards when Kiss was under the Brooklyn Bridge playing. And obviously they only aired rock and roll a night. But I remember when um, you know Paul said, "You know, thank you, we love you, we'll see you all soon." I remember like watching that, and I was like, "Mom, he's he's talking to me. He's talking to us. He's going to see us soon." And I didn't know that less than four months later, I would be seeing Kiss at the Meadowlands on New Year's Eve, ninety six, ninety seven. I uh, I got tickets a week before the show because one of the guys that had purchased tickets was like, "Oh, my wife wants to go to Beauty and the Beast on Broadway because that was huge at the time." I think it, it might have only it might have been in its freshman year it, when the Beauty and the Beast. Somebody in the comments tell me when Beauty and the Beast was huge on Broadway. But the guy was obviously a Kiss fan, and he sold me the tickets at face value, which was eighty five bucks face value. So it was still a little expensive at the time. But he says, "Hey, I really want to go, but I can't because my wife is making me go see Beauty and the Beast on Broadway instead. So my loss is your gain." And if the an eagle eye viewer who watched one last time, I do do a little feature on the Meadowland show. I actually found the newspaper ad that my mom answered when we went to the show because I had remembered that I was like a week before the show. So I went and pulled old newspaper classified section from the Asbury Park Press, the paper from you know my my local area at the time, and I and. December 21st, December 22nd had the same listing. Kiss tickets, face value, call this number. And there were no other ads that said that. And every other ad was like, oh, this front row or this, that, or New Year's Eve. So that was the ad. So I was like, that's it. That's the ad that I saw. So just like Paul said on the Kiss My Ass Home videos, like this was the ticket for Kiss. This was the ticket for Ace. That was my ticket for Kiss. So it was very fitting to put that in the movie, even though it's only in there for like a, a split second. It's still in there. Yeah, how cool. Talking about movies, Peter yeah. DVD apparently has been mentioned as maybe creaking towards possibility. Yeah. I didn't catch the new episode of Three Sides where it was mentioned. I, I did not. I did not. But tell me your thoughts on that, because I know you had seen this this tour of Peter's. And I only say tour because it's only a couple shows. What are your feelings on that? Because yeah, it, it had, the same it show had a first show and a last show. Um, yeah. you know, it was it was a really quick tour, but it was uh, it's something that needs to be immortalized on video. I would love it to have been from the cutting room, but I know that the first song issues and Peter's emotion of that that night really would be hard to fix um, in order for it to be perfect. And Melbourne, from what I've seen of it, is just as good. And I, I, again, if you then do maybe just use the um, the extra song that was done in New York as like a bonus or as an Easter egg, I it should be out there. You know, I I have my recording of it, which I listen to quite a lot because it is such a special moment for me. I will never stop singing the praises of it, even if it does get officially released, because it was one of those great moments in history that I got to be a part of. And again, to be sitting a few feet away from Peter Chris, getting choked up to the sounds of, yo, this is New York, seeing him in a club in New York with a couple of hundred or 300, you know, diehards. What could be better than, you know, number one, for everyone else to get to see it properly and hear it in quality. Yeah, I, I missed out on that, obviously. You didn't see me at the cutter because we would have probably done something on the city that day. but. Um, I think it's cool that Peter went out on his terms and what better way to celebrate that than with a release like this, a pro quality release. I mean, the band that he played with uh, sister doll, I believe was their name. Great Australian band, same band here in the United States. 
Uh, I think it would be cool to see. I'm just, I'm chomping at the bit for anything new Kiss. I really am. And that kind of segues into the next thing that we wanted to talk about. Uh, we know that Rachel Gordon is selling a bunch of cassette tapes that was supposedly from Ace's collection. And who knows if that's going to, who knows what's going to happen with that. But again, chomping at the bit for new Kiss stuff. Anything new would be good. And uh, obviously, new. I think Peter had talked about doing a rock album, having actually recorded some music with yeah. Johnny Five. Um, Johnny Five. And Richie Scarlet, I believe, was uh, did some bass sessions for that as well. So, The emperor of rock and roll. You know, Ace is churning out product. And I know Peter's going to be 75 this year. But Peter's voice is just magic. It's mm -hmm. his voice that I want to hear again on new songs, whether he's written them himself, whether they've been written for him, or whether they're just songs that he, he likes. I mean, I, I would love, you know, for there to be a Peter Chris Origins Volume 1, because I do happen to like the musical trip that he's taken me on during my life that has made me grow and listen to other sorts of music that I otherwise would not have. You know, so it, from that perspective, I know people criticize it because it was a little bit out of sync with the rest of the members of the band. But for me, I would love it. And I know some other fans would. And when you come back to the very basic element of what you're saying, more Kiss-related Kiss. music. Listen, I listen to Peter's album more than I listen to the Gene solo album. I listen to Peter Chris 1970 more than I listen to Asshole. So That's um, not a very high bar, mind you, but not there a high you bar. go. But I, but you know, I'll tell you, it's it's an album that could only have been made in that time. It's a New York, L.A. hodgepodge of 1978. That's that's what it is. I, no one's arguing that Paul Stanley's 1970 album is the best one of the four. No one's arguing that. But um, I don't know. It's just sometimes I put it on and I clean the house. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, just. More kiss, more kiss. Oh, I wanted to mention it's a video popped up online a couple of days ago of a printing press printing out copies of Kiss Alive. So it seems like that Kiss Alive is probably going to be the next reissue. What do you mean? What do you think 40, about that? For 45th anniversary? 45th all anniversary I, all I can say is what color. And I think this one has to be gold because it's yeah, officially. It is officially only gold certified in the United States by the RIAA, even though I've seen. You know, Casablanca shipping statements of up to four million copies of it. Um, now, every time I say, oh, I'm going to be like. Uh, Same with me. I was like, um. <laughs> yeah. What was the that movie with Johnny Depp? Uh, Alice in Wonderland. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The, the Red Queen. Okay. So getting back to that, I think it has to be gold because for Kiss Geeks, that comes back to obviously the gold award that they received on stage in Detroit in January 1976, if I am correct. And I don't remember. You are correct. You are correct. And if you want to see a clip of that, I highly recommend watching the 1976 made for television that never aired on TV special Kiss at Midnight produced by Incognito Films. Watch it on YouTube right now. We don't have a script, so that was a completely natural setup that just happened. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. All right, what else do we have on the... Uh... I, I'm excited. I want to see the goodies that they bring along with that, because if they're going to do a live and a live two next, they might have me hook, line, and sinker. I didn't buy any of the 40th or whatever. I didn't buy any of the anniversary reissues, except for Rock and Roll Over, because that's my favorite album. So 
depending on the color and depending on the presentation will determine if I buy it or not. Presentation is very important. And I would like to see two things happening with uh, future product coming along. They're doing a great job of merchandising each one of these releases. Now, one thing that is not included in these records are reproductions of the original order forms. I think they need to do mock-ups in the style of yeah. the original 1970 ones. So take the layouts and With replace... With the 1970 prices. Nah, that's not going to happen. Uh, Gene Dang. Simmons on line three. Um, no, Andrew. I can't do a Gene voice. But I would love to see them do updated kind of uh, merchandising forms as inserts. Because if, if fans know there's an additional Chucky in there. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. What tour book are they going to sell on, on every order form? End of the road version five. <laughs> no, they'll be. You wonder if they just have six. like you wonder. If the, uh, okay, or five A. Is it really a sixth version? I don't know. I still have version one. What do I care? Um, and that's a whole other episode. <laughs> but um, but no, I I agree with you. They they've done a, a really solid job merchandising everything in there, and I would I would buy them for that order from that would be cool. So I'm anxious to see what is going to be in this Kiss Alive reissue. If the if the award looks cool, maybe I'll get that. Who knows? I guess we'll see. <sighs> Excuse me, I'm just. It's time so, for me to go back. Is it past to, your bedtime as well? I mean, it is past had, my bedtime. You had one of those weeks, but we're just talking about some of the uh, reproduction stuff that goes inside those. The new uh, CDs that are coming out in Japan, the first ones have started ah. showing up, haven't they? I did see someone post their uh, killers that comes with the sticker and the insert sheet. Um, That's a damn the, good sticker. The, the fold out thing. Yeah, the sticker was really cool. I had one in a copy. I only I, I ordered uh, double platinum because that's my favorite. That's my favorite record. Uh, was my first record of all time, and I'm I'm only looking through my phone now because it's gonna I'm gonna tell you. Um, hold on, hold on. CD Japan. No, no, no. That's not it. Here we go. So initially the release date was August 26th, and it's been moved to September 30th. So just a little under a month away still. Did you stop? T did did you mute yourself? Yeah, I thought I'd unmuted myself, so I'm just checking. See, oh, I ordered all four <laughs> of them, so I will be waiting for those to come in. Oh, yeah. okay. So that's very cool. All right. Yeah. Hey, so without further ado, why don't we jump back and let's get into our exclusive interview with Eric Turner from Warrant? He was so gracious to sit down with us and uh, and chat kiss, and uh, and yeah, here's Eric Turner. We have a special guest here, musician Eric Turner is joining us here today. Thank you so much for joining us, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Rock and roll all night, party every day. <laughs> That's uh, that. I mean, we we've said that more times than than I care to admit, unfortunately. Um, but we're we're here today. Obviously, everybody listening knows Eric is from the. Uh, I don't want to call you guys a hair band. I'm just going to call you guys a, a rock band. Warrant. But what some KISS fans may not know is not only is Eric a KISS fan, but his history with KISS dates all the way back to 1989. So, Eric, talk a little bit about your first introduction to KISS as a band when you heard them the first time, and then obviously your first introduction to touring with Paul Stanley of KISS. Yeah, when I was a kid, just like millions of other kids, you know, probably 12, 13 
I had a couple of different buddies. We would, you know, trade vinyl or, hey, check out this record or check out that record. And I was at a buddy's house and he had Kiss Alive there. And I was like, wow, what is this? And he let me take it home and borrow it. And a few weeks later, my walls were covered with uh, Kiss posters, like so many other kids. It was, it was awesome. What a Kiss Alive. I mean, the first one for me is uh, the best live album, but that's just my personal opinion. That's uh, that's my favorite, but for me, it it changes. And and for me, the Kiss posters are still on my walls. I I still I still never grew up. So, Warrant Warrant really hit the scene in the late '80s. And one of your first, I guess, I don't I don't want to say major tours, but one of the one of the first tours was opening up for Paul Stanley on his first solo tour. How did you guys get involved with that? And what did you think of seeing Kiss Alive and then seeing Paul Stanley and No Makeup playing the same stages that you were playing? It was an honor. And of course, we were all excited to go out and play with Paul. Um, I don't believe I had ever met him before we started that tour. And we had done, our record came out in 1989. We had done a little touring before that with Brittany Fox and another band called DeMalls in 88. Once the record came out, we had three weeks was our first tour to start, you know, supporting the record. And that was with Paul Stanley with his solo band. And it was awesome. You know, we were playing small clubs, uh, getting to see Paul and his band play every night in a small venue like that was really awesome. All the guys in this band were super cool. Paul was cool. It was, uh, it was a pretty awesome way to kick off our Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinking Rich tour. Now, and future Boy, Kiss drummer Eric Carr was, was in the band, too. Oh, sorry to cut you off, Julian. Yeah, I was just going to say, Down Boys hadn't even gone into rotation on MTV yet. So what sort of reception were you guys getting You know, as a new emerging band? I know you had a lot of hype behind you because you're in the magazines. Um, people knew who you were, but you hadn't yet released that album, and that, that video had not quite hit MTV. Yeah, I think everybody that was there was there to see Paul Stanley, and, and hopefully we won over some hearts and minds and some rock and rollers while we were out there doing our set and doing our thing. But yeah, the I mean, the, it, we started touring him like the day the record came out, and then, then the single started catching some momentum, then the video came out, and MTV started playing that, and of course we started seeing a lot more fans come out from the MTV powerhouse that they were as far as, you know, marketing and everything people dig it dig seeing the video then they come out and see you play live so um it was good though i mean the reception was real good our music's not super heavy not super light we're just a hard rock band with some you know melodic vocals and lyrics and our first album obviously that's all we were playing music from was our first album that's just a party rock album and people came out to party and people like to party in the 80s and we like to party (laughs) with them so it worked out worked out pretty good it's interesting to see how different things really are from then as it is now. Bands release a, a single or a video on YouTube, and, uh, and and now you see bands having concerts in their living rooms. You know, obviously with the pandemic going on, it, it's it's changed. But it's so. It, whenever I hear stories from back then, I mean, I, I was way too young to get in into all that. I was born in '85, so when I every time I hear stories about those days past, I'm like, how cool would it have been to watch MTV when it actually played music, see a band on MTV. And then three weeks later, they're in your town. It seemed to be always happening with so many, so many, so many bands. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, I saw a funny meme the other day. We want to congratulate, uh, what was it, MTV on 40 years of music. Or no, 40 years 
the 40 year anniversary and 14 years of music. Because, <laughs> you know, they stopped playing music videos so long ago, they became a reality uh, TV show type type station and music kind of took a backseat for the most part, not completely, but mm -hmm. it, it definitely wasn't music video driven like it was when it started out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Warrant obviously went on to have huge, huge, huge success, multi-platinum tours, multi-platinum records, and it, you guys at, at one point were considered the top rock band. Um, how did you make the transition from touring with Warrant to, in 1997, getting that call from Tommy Thayer to work on this wild history 2 book? Yeah, well, Tommy and I have been friends since 84. And um, we actually had a production company going for a while. We had a couple bands we were working with. One of them we got a record deal for called The Things. And so Tommy and I were neighbors and we just, you know, we, uh, we hung out and I knew he worked for Kiss and he knew I had some time off and wasn't doing much. Uh, and he asked me if I wanted to work on the History 2 book. This is the way I remember it. <laughs> so uh, he goes, we're having a meeting up at Gene's house tonight about the book and uh, come up there with me. And there was a handful of people there and went up to Gene's house and uh, his office is where we met and started talking about the, the Kistry 2 book. And of course, Kistry, the first book. And I got the, I got the gig. I got the job. How did, what did pre-production look like for Kistry 2 if you were involved in that? Uh, obviously, the success of the first book is what spawned the second book. Where was your timeline in, in this project where you actually got involved and got the gig to work on the book? I think pretty much right from the start. Um, they, had, they had already been collecting a lot of images of all the different toys and stuff. But basically, long story short, um, I, I would show up at Gene's house at, I don't know, around... 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the morning. We'd work till 5 or so in his office, just Gene and I, for three weeks. We did that every day and just going through everything, organizing everything. And then uh, and then Gene got an office over off Sunset Boulevard where Doc McGee's building is. So mm -hmm. he set up shop upstairs and we got a bunch of computers in there, Mac computers in there, and just started scanning images and working on stuff. There's another guy that worked on it too. I can't remember his name right off the bat was up there with me, but um, yeah, it was pretty awesome experience. I mean, to spend all that time with Gene Simmons, obviously one of my rock and roll heroes was, was great, great experience up at his house every day, just hanging out and of course, listening to him on the phone, cutting million dollar deals all day long and stuff <laughs> like that. That's what Gene does. Well, what I what I think is the funniest thing about Gene is um, whenever he calls somebody, and, and I did a bunch of promotion for a soda company, uh, whenever he calls somebody, like you know he's going to call you, but when he gets you on the phone, he still wants to tell you, this is Gene Simmons from KISS. Like You, you already know who he is, and you already know that he's calling you, but he has to introduce himself as, this is Gene Simmons from KISS, and, and I, I always thought that, that, was, uh, that was funny. So how... So, Take, take me back take me back to that, that time when you're working on Kiss Story 2. You're obviously a huge Kiss fan. You have pictures of Gene Simmons on your wall. And now you're sitting there just cutting it up with the guy, scanning stuff and working on books books with the guy. Was there ever any talk of your employment, I guess, with Kiss continuing after this Kiss Story 2 project? No, I, I had... I think I was worked on the project for roughly three months. I mean, it's a long time ago, just around three months. And then uh -huh. Warrant started getting busy again, and some other music stuff started happening. So I, I resigned before the book was completely finished. 
So um, I don't know if there would have been any other opportunity there. There might have, there might not have, but um, mm -hmm. I, my own band, Warrant, started getting busy and I needed to go uh, go do that. That's my uh, my true calling in life and my yeah. true passion, you know. Started the band when uh, with the other guys when I was 19 years old. So, oh. And here we are still today. Still, still today talking 20 about years, 20 years later. <laughs> well, yeah, 20 years from from 1987, which is <laughs> which is really wild to me because um, I got into all this music in the late 90s and, and the early 2000s, and and it was at it was at a time where you can tell that there were a lot of powers to be changing. You know, there the, these big metal tours weren't happening, these classic rock tours weren't happening at the time, and here we are now in 2020. I could go to Walmart or Target and I could buy almost any band T-shirt that I want, you know, warrant included. Um, it's it's the oddest thing because I remember when I was a young kid, it just wasn't like that. And now you can go and and you can basically purchase whatever you want and groceries too in the same store. It's just it's mind-boggling to me that there's such ebbs and flows uh, when it comes to music and and that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, you guys are one of the only bands that are still successful in, in doing what you do. And, and have basically um, continued, um, I don't know, continued successfully for all, for all these years. Yeah, we, um, we just keep playing. We keep taking it one day at a time, keep playing shows. We play shows every year, and we make a new CD about every five years. Our last CD was 2017. It's called Louder, Harder, Faster. Uh, 2011, we did a CD called Rockaholic. 2006, we did a CD called Born Again. So... We're writing new music, but of course, when people come out to the shows, we know they want to hear all the hit songs from our first two albums. And then we'll sprinkle in some Dog Eat Dog and maybe a song or two from our new album. But uh, the lion's share of what we play is the first two albums, and it's uh, a lot of songs. If you're a Warrant fan, obviously, you know all the songs we're playing and, and dig it, you know? How much of a challenge is that for you, you know, as a band that has a pretty big catalog going back to obviously the debut, but you've also got those core hits that people just expect to hear. It's a bit like Kiss's situation. Are there albums and songs that you feel are just really badly neglected in your catalog that you would love to get out there and play, but you just don't have the bandwidth in a set to make everyone happy? Yeah, I mean, I... I don't think we've done around nine albums. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's songs on Born Again and Rockaholic. You know, we would love to play. There's cover songs. We did a cover record with a bunch of cool cover songs on it that would be fun to play. Um, a lot of people, a lot of Warrant fans tell me they really love uh, Ultraphobic, which is our fourth CD. Um, we don't play anything off that CD at all. So it, it, it's tough, you know, sometimes we only get 45 minutes to play if we're opening up or 30 minutes, you know, depending on the set. And then other times we can play an hour and 15 minutes, but we really do just play the first two records and dip into some Dog Eat Dog, because a lot of people love Dog Eat Dog, and that's more of a cult favorite of our, uh, our fans, I think, and it's a heavier record. And then of course, whatever our newest, latest releases, We'll uh, we'll go ahead and play a song or two off that if time permits. There's such a like I just mentioned. There's such a resurgence of everything rock and roll and everything classic rock. Um, going off of what happened with with Kiss and Kissery and, and all these long form projects that have surfaced uh, for Kiss, are there any plans to deliver anything like that when it comes to Warrant? You see a lot of these heritage bands making you know big movies, you have Elton John movies and, you know, Queen movies and, and all these great documentaries by Rush and Alice Cooper. 
Are there any plans to dig into the vaults and do something like that on the warrant front? At this time, there's not. There has been some little rumblings here and there about doing a, a documentary of sorts, documentaries for music bands and music artists and just documentaries in general are, I think are more popular than ever with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. I love watching documentaries, but uh, at this point, there's just some talk, nothing really solid going down. So I don't know if that'll ever happen for us or not. It, it might. I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up doing something once this COVID deal's over and uh, we can all get together again and, and do projects. And talk, you, you, you bring up COVID and, uh, you know, what sort of impact is, obviously you can't tour, you can't perform live. Um, some bands are announcing, you know, that they're working together online on new material during the pandemic. Uh, what are you doing to get by in the pandemic to, you know, keep your creative juices flowing? I mean, are, are you guys trying to work on new material? It's been, what, three years since the last album? Yeah, we started throwing some ideas around. We haven't really started clicking yet or really stuff coming to fruition. There's a lot of riffs. I've been sending riffs to Robert and Jerry and bouncing some stuff around. But um, we're not really too close to making a record. But that could change really quickly if two or three songs start popping. Um, our old label, the uh, last label we did our last two records on frontiers has mentioned they'd like to do another warrant record so there is an opportunity there i'm just not sure when it's going to happen the uh the COVID thing you know doesn't put you in the best mood <laughs> to write agreed agreed to write party rock songs and then <laughs> uh, of course all the racial tensions and strife and political nightmare that's going on on top of COVID just really doesn't have me I don't know. I'm not very creative right now as far as music goes, but I know for some people that's the most creative time for them. If you're like a Bob Dylan or you're really good about writing songs about, you know, the social time and, and what's going on in the world when, when you're writing. But um, for us, that hasn't happened yet. And we're more of, like I said, a party band and we don't really go into heavy, heavy subjects or anything like that. That's what I love. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what I said. That's what I loved about bands of the 70s, 80s, and, and even the early 90s. They sung about good times and about having fun and about celebrating like life and whether it's talking to a bunch of girls or, or eating fast food or, or just something. I just I really enjoyed singing, uh, listening to songs that where they sang about good times rather than, oh, the world is crazy. Everything's changing. I just, you know, we know that we, we want this music to escape from that kind of thing. Yeah, there's other artists that do that really well, and uh, but that's just not our forte. We're more of a, a good time rock band, kick ass rock and roll, and yeah. uh, type of <laughs> type of stuff. Not to say we can't write some, you know, nice lyrics and you know tell some good stories with our songs, but uh, we're we're definitely more of a party rock band. People come out to our shows, they they drink beer, they they take their tops off, and it's just uh, <laughs> it's a good time. And let's hear about the women, if too. Take your, if you're going to take your top off, don't take your mask off. Okay? <laughs> I like that. That's the next Warrant uh, shirt. If you're going to take your top off, keep your mask on. Warrant rocks. <laughs> there you go. That's the, next, that's the next shirt. I'd buy it. Yeah. I'd buy it. So yeah. uh, last year, Kiss went on the, this big end-of-the-road tour where they were finally ceasing all touring and everything was coming to an end for Kiss as a touring act which I thought was worded very good because it left it open for them to maybe do a song in the studio or do a special thing here and there. Um, did you see Kiss on this tour? And 
what would you and would you have opened this kiss if you were given the opportunity uh, absolutely 100 percent yes if we were given <laughs> the opportunity and uh, second of all we we uh, played on the uh, kiss cruise so i got mm -hmm. to see him play a couple nights uh, and I saw him do the acoustic set and got to see it. I saw everybody and got to hang out a little bit with everybody in the band except Gene. I didn't see Gene for whatever reason, but um, it was great, man. I, I love Kiss. I love a big rock show, Pyro. You know, you, you guys know what, what mm -hmm. it's all about. Um, I've seen Kiss a handful of times over the last 30 years, and it's, it's always a great show. I actually saw a show in california probably the only show that paul stanley ever missed we uh, oh we went to see him in i don't know what a casino somewhere it's like they had a ten thousand seat outdoor event and i'm looking at the clock and tommy had told me they're going on at nine and i'm like it's 9 30 and they're still not on stage this is weird and then doc mcgee came out and he's like paul's just left to go to the hospital in an ambulance uh, if you guys want you can you know we can cancel tonight or the guys can go ahead and, and play the show. And of course the crowd just yelled, screamed, went crazy for them to play that night. And they came out and played as a three piece and it was fucking awesome. It was really cool. And of course we missed Paul, but uh, it, was, it was pretty awesome to see those guys step up and, and all take turns singing songs. And they're all great singers and all great musicians. And it was, uh, it was cool. It was a cool, neat experience. One in a lifetime experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember I remember that show. It was in 2007. I believe it was Saboda. Uh, I'm going to miss yeah, Saboda. I was going to mispronounce the name like you guys wouldn't believe. But I also remember they covered it on Gene Simmons' Family Jewels. And I, I always found it interesting that, uh, that they play as a three-piece because it really showed the great musicianship for guys that have taken a lot of flack for being replacement members. Um, but those guys have paid their dues. And I have nothing but respect for, for Tommy Thayer. And, and Eric Singer, even Eric's work on Revenge, I thought was uh, was incredible. But uh, that's one show that if I could go back and see it, I'd, I'd want to see that just to see the three guys play as a three piece. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it'll probably never happen again. And of mm -hmm. course, thank God Paul is healthy and and fine and recovered and and back at work. So, uh, but it, it was a neat experience. And uh, every time you see Kiss, it's an awesome experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you didn't get to see them on this uh, recent end. Of, um, not even recent. It's almost two years ago now. The recent uh, end of the road tour. I did see the shows on the on the boat, which are part of the end of the yeah, road yeah. tour. Yeah, but which, not uh, not in not in an arena. So unfortunately, all the, all the circumstances. Uh, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, COVID happened. I probably would have seen them. Um, so that's a good know. question then. With uh, participating on a cruise as a band, you know how how was that for you, and you know how did that gig come about, and was it was it a fun experience to be trapped on a boat with uh, twenty five hundred uh, hard rock fans? Yeah, it was really great. Everybody was super cool, super respectful. Obviously, they're all you know diehard Kiss fans from all over the world, but uh, you know we had a handful of them here and there that brought out warrant swag and records and wanted pictures and autographs, and so we we felt a lot of love, but it wasn't uh, wasn't over overwhelming to like where we had to hide in our our rooms or anything <laughs> like that. We could go enjoy the cruise, play music, hang out, see Kiss, and uh, it, it was a really good time. I'd I'd love to do it again. One of the, uh, I, I think one of the last times I actually got to see, uh, got to see the band Warrant, you guys were part of, um, oh man, I can't remember the name of the festival. I think it was Rock the Arena in Toledo, Ohio, where it was a whole day of 
um, I'd say basically 80s metal bands that, that played there for the, for the entire day. And um, I don't know if the arena was sold out or not, um, but I know, but I think, um, I can't remember who headlined. It might have been Cheap Trick of all, of all bands. Where yeah, I think, I think that sounds about right. We've, we've done think, a few shows with Cheap Trick here. I think there. it was either Cheap Trick or Brett Michaels. I can't, I, I can't entirely recall on, uh, on who headlined. So uh, you touched on it a little bit. Uh, you got some riffs going on. You got some things, you know, possibly in the works. Um, what's next for Warrant? If the pandemic isn't a factor and you guys are, say, you're able to do what you need to do or want to do, uh, what's next for the band? What's the next thing that, uh, that's on the band's plate? Well, we love to play live, you know, and so we were off to a great start for uh, 2020, and it's all, I'd say 90% of those shows have been moved to 2021. So now it's up to the, <laughs> the rock gods and the government if they're going to allow concerts in 2021. Hopefully they do, and we'll go back to work and, and do what we love to do, which is on average 50 shows a year. And um, yeah. That's it, man. And then if we get inspired and some songs start popping, then we'll uh, we'll make a record. Yeah, I want to I want to just go back to something about the the history two book. I mean, what was it that helped you with skill set for working on a project like that? You know, you, you've been playing in a band. What Warrant was going started what nineteen eighty four. You know, so yep. when mm -hmm. did you when did you find the time to learn a skill set that you could bring into a project like that? Scanning stuff, um, you know, working on computers and whatnot. Where did the where did your skills come from? I had started, uh, you know, like everybody else. I got a computer when they became available and became interested in the internet. And then I started building some websites and learning how to build websites for fun. And you know, learning how to use Photoshop and a, and a scanner. So uh, that's basically all I, I needed to do for the for the book was scan thousands of, of images and of course catalog them and file them and once towards the end right not too long after I right before I left they brought on a lady who had done the first history book once we got everything organized for her in a way that she could actually start doing the layouts and then Jean would come in once or twice a week and look at her layouts and make changes. Or sometimes I take stuff down to, like one time I had to go down to rehearsal to show jeans and stuff. That was pretty cool. How tough was he to please in terms of you know uh, quality, attention to detail? Obviously, he's very he's got a very particular vision about things. Um, how easy yeah. was it to marry what you were doing with what he saw the product as being? Well, for what I was doing. I, like I wasn't doing any creative stuff really very little as far as layouts and stuff a little bit but uh, it was mainly the lady that did the history two book so they they would have their little uh, battles Gene knows what he wants Gene knows what he likes he has a vision for kiss nobody knows what kiss should look like or sound like better than him him and Paul for sure so uh, yeah you just uh, show him some stuff and he'll he'll he likes some of it and change some of it it really wasn't that big a deal how happy were you with the end product? I, I know you left before it came to fruition. Uh, I don't remember exactly when it came out. I did see an early copy. I think it was at one of the indie expos. But how, how pleased were you with your contributions and how it was all represented in the book? I, I, yeah, I love the book. I obviously have a copy of the book. Um, Jean had saw a picture of my wife and one of her friends. They used to do a lot of Baywatch and modeling stuff. So my wife and her friend Kim are in the book, which is really cool. And then it turns out there's a nut right on the following the page right next to my wife's page 
there was a, a nurse in Gene Simmons makeup and my bass player ended up marrying her like two or three <laughs> years later. <laughs> so that was kind of trippy. That just all happened by circumstance. I mean, it wasn't planned out that way. So uh, some fun stuff happened with the book and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. It was cool. And working with Gene was an amazing experience. And, uh, you know, I'd see Paul around, around the shop as well. And super cool, super cool guy. And just, it's, it's nice to be around your heroes from time to time. And especially, uh, especially a band as big as Kiss. And especially when they're actually signing your, your paychecks at the time, which, uh, yeah. which transcends <laughs> from fan to, you know, Hey, you're now you're working. Now you're working with the guys. Yeah, um, they were nice size paychecks too. It was uh, it was good. It was nice to make some money. It, well, listen, that's if you. I mean, I've been involved in several you know projects with uh, with Gene and his soda company, and uh, it's it's always nice when uh, they say thank you, but then you're like, oh, I got this this check that I don't even know what to do with. Is it do I cash <laughs> it or do I do I keep it? It's like you don't even know what to do with it uh, at that point, especially you know being a being a crazy fan as, as I am. Yeah. Um, frame one of them keep it on the wall. I'm sure Gene yeah. wouldn't mind if you didn't cash it. <laughs> yeah. 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 The accountant calls you later in the year and says, uh, we paid you for, you know, these this fee and we haven't cashed it. Oh, I lost the check. Can you send me another one? And, yeah, and, there you go. And maybe just stop payment on that just so I can just so I can just so I can Hang keep it on it. the wall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, with the rest of with the rest of the stuff. Um, all right, well, listen, Eric, I really, really enjoyed uh, talking with you about Kiss. You're you're more than welcome to come back on the show anytime you have anything going on with Warrant. And I hope that 2021, you guys were able to go back on tour. And I hope we can, you know, come out on the road and and do a special episode with Warrant on the road to let all the fans know that Warrant is still out there. They're still just as ass kicking as they were back in the day and they're still you know out there pleasing the fans with with uh, with some great music um yeah julian you, guys you, have, you have any me. yeah i was gonna say i appreciate you having me on the show and yeah. appreciate the invite to come back that would be awesome yeah yeah julian any any final questions any final thoughts no um just one last <laughs> question and then we'll let you go favorite kiss song kiss alive for sure one uh, one kiss alive one is still i still listen to it all the time there's something about the the production and the rawness of it and the crunch of the guitars and the excitement of the crowd and just it's just all that record will always have a special place in, in my life. As a guitarist, is there a song that makes you grab your guitar? A kiss song with a riff? I mean, there's so many great riffs. I you know, we've always I've rarely played any cover songs. We we never really did cover songs, so but I've I've learned some kiss songs over the years here and there. But uh, I mean there's songs like Parasite that I love, Black Diamond. I mean, there's so many. I mean, Parasite. Be hard. Great, it'd be hard riff. to. It'd be hard to pick one, but yeah, hmm. Parasite's just sickening. So that's a great. Out. That's a great pick, and we certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Yeah, and real quick before I sign off, I've been doing some uh, painting, some guitars, and uh, you guys, if you if you're listening and you're interested in uh, in checking out some of my artwork, you can go to uh, Punk Rock Guitars at Punk Rock Guitars on Instagram and and check out some of the stuff I'm doing. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, so so make sure you follow Eric on Instagram and also make sure you follow Warrant to see when they're going to be back on the road. And and hopefully Eric will be back here and maybe he can do a guitar for the podcast or something. We'll raffle right, it off for go. we'll raffle it off for charity or something. I, I don't know. I mean I love doing I love doing charity work. We gave away a Gene Simmons vault um, last year and we donated all the money that we made to a women and children's shelter. So it was cool. We love doing stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah um, I did something similar when 
a sad situation when Kobe Bryant died, of course, but I did a uh, Kobe Bryant guitar, tribute guitar for him, with, uh -huh. you know, with purple and yellow and 24 on it and stuff. And Super. I sold that for $1,000 and donated the money to a place called Michelle's Place in Temecula, California. I've been working with that charity on and off for about six or seven years and just a great organization. And they do a lot of good work in the community. So, yeah, like you said, it's fun to raffle off a guitar and, and it's, donate I mean, the money to charity. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, all, all of us, we, we do little radio shows. We do little things like this for fun. Uh, but what's really cool, especially for me, is when you get to kind of give back and do something for somebody. And uh, a lot of times, you know, raffling stuff off and doing stuff like that is like the easiest thing I've ever done. Um, so, uh, but anyway, Eric, I, I hope I hope you join us again. And uh, I hope we can see you guys back out on the road and, you know, back where you guys belong, in my right opinion. Right on, man. Back right on, guys. guys Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, hopefully 2020 will finish strong. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Thank you again, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Uh, Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.